You're standing amongst destroyed building and rubble. As you look around, you can only make out a single silhouette. A massive silhouette. It blocks out the sun. It's a humanoid shape, but far too large for you to recognize. Before you know it, that shape is moving, shifting, sprinting towards another. As they collide, the ground around you shakes, and you are left with a question. What's cooler, giant robots or giant people? On this final installment of Swing the Small Stuff series, The Scale of Life, we try to explore the difference between giant robots from Pacific Rim and giant humanoids from Neon Genesis Evangelion. everyone and welcome to sweating the small stuff a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer i'm your host cameron boozer jamari and today i'm joined yet again by your neural nutritionist sam so sam you have had the great honor of finally getting to finish watching that classic quote-unquote mecha anime that is neon genesis evangelion <gasps> yes yes i have i finally I, I watched the netflix version but yeah i finally watched it because for years having heard about it and being recommended in a way i don't know just like everyone being like oh this is a very quintessential anime that you need to watch i don't know somehow it never happened and it finally happened and wow it is an amazing exploration of like the human psyche and developmental psychology but more importantly it's a really cool story about giant monsters fighting (laughs) giant robot monsters yes yes it is (laughs) And I think it's always considered to be one of like the quintessential quote unquote mechas. And I keep saying quote unquote because it's technically doesn't have giant robots in it as these giant organic creatures in it. Yeah, I guess I guess if anybody hasn't watched it and they are planning on watch it and don't want spoilers, maybe avoid this episode. I don't know. (laughs) That's the thing is like I feel like anyone who's heard of Neon Genesis Evangelion and plans to watch a show is familiar with the concept that a giant robot creature situation. Yeah, it's also like at least 20 years old, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's I'm sorry, but the statute of limitations on spoilers is well past. (laughs) Yeah, but the what what you think at first is that these are giant robots that these kids are piloting and they're actually giant humanoid creatures that mm-hmm. were specifically made to fight other like godlike creatures it's implied it's- yeah and that's so there's a lot of stuff to unpack in the episode but you know us we don't do that kind of stuff <laughs> we focus on what's interesting what is the science tilt what is the real context to dig into here yeah we could be talking about you know all the existential drama happening with the ptsd these children are experiencing and how that's shown in the in the anime but no we are not going to do that that's not our job now i'll say this much i know you like this show i mean what else would you be listening right now so i'm gonna (laughs) say right now if you haven't subscribed already please subscribe if you haven't (laughs) if you love this show so much and you want to share it with a friend please share it with a friend. And especially if you want us to tackle the PTSD and all the other real elements of the show that I recommend everyone check out Neon Genesis Evangelion, please, at Small Stuff Show, hit us up. Hit me up. At Cboozar on social media. Let me know what you want us to talk about. I know. As I made that joke, I was like, huh, that actually would be a pretty good episode. (laughs) But for today's episode, we are answering the bigger question, giant robot pun intended, which is... What actually makes more sense, building giant robots a la Gundam and Pacific Rim 
or building giant avas. And I'm guessing I'm guessing for this discussion we're ignoring the logistics of like building a robot versus growing a giant humanoid creature, correct? That is why I think it's so important to have you in here today, Sam, because as I understand, you have a pretty uh, modest biology background. Yeah, I, I, I did the biology. You did I, the bios, you dissected people. And yeah, stuff. I did the <laughs> I did the thing. <laughs> so the that's really the big question I want to bring in is between your biological knowledge and my engineering background, I think we can answer the question of what makes more sense, building a giant robot versus a giant quote unquote person and this is like the weird thing about evangelion for me is it's considered a mecha anime but mecha anime usually just means giant robot or robots but in this series it's not a robot it's a giant humanoid looking dude but it it posits a real serious question which is does that actually make more sense if you need to build a giant fighting machine and there are three things i want us to think about in this course of this episode which is design then the energy and then piloting and so I think we could jump right in with design. Are we basically going to side table the discussion of, you know, the logistics of actually growing a giant thing versus building a giant thing? Because I feel like that's a huge difference between the two choices. So I think that one of the things we have to understand is the difference in design. Normally, when you think of giant robots, a lot of giant robot technology has the joint doing all the mechanical work. If you mm-hmm. think of the human body, when you lift something, Your joint, the elbow, is not the one who's actually lifting. Like uh, right now, whoever's listening, I want you to take your left arm or right arm. I don't mean to be arm biased, (laughs) but take your arm. Take any arm you have. (laughs) And just extend it all the way out and then pull it towards yourself. And then extend it back out and pull it towards yourself. You'll notice that the joint where it's bending on isn't actually where all the work is being done. But in a lot of robots... That is exactly what's happening. It's usually that specific joint is where all the pressure is applied in order for the movement to occur. This is also an interesting fact of why you have a kneecap. If that force was applied straight across the joint, it would take a lot more work and put a lot more wear on the joint. And that's the weird thing about robots is a lot of robots you see, all the stuff is happening in the joint. So if something too heavy comes along, you can have a problem where as the joint starts to actuate, it'll actually cause the... Uh, was it the pins or whatever's being used to leverage that weight to shear to yeah, was, literally tear? I was about to say, don't you have don't you have what will happen? You'll see like in uh, like mecha animes and mm-hmm. robot things is like if they can't do it right, then it's just like the joint just comes out. <laughs> like you yeah. just have I don't know. Like think of the elbow. Just suddenly it just disconnects, which that doesn't really happen in humans at all. Like no, that. it doesn't. And that's the kind of thing is like maybe when you look at Boston Dynamics videos. For anyone who's not familiar, um, Boston Dynamics is a group that works, if I recall, with MIT to advanced robotics technologies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their robots they have this exact joint situation going on where no matter how the motor is situated the joint itself your elbow is where all the actual force is being applied it will cause it to shear and maybe when you're on a human scale this isn't a big deal but giant robots are supposed to be bigger than buildings picking up buildings doing all sorts of wild stuff and so if anyone's seen the movie pacific rim there is like a lot of cool stuff where they're trying to pick things up and do all sorts of wild stuff but what you have to appreciate is first of all all that work is happening inside the joint it's not happening across the joint in a muscle group 
I think in the design category, it's going to be a win for Evangelion then. Like, it's going to be a win for more humanoid uh, engineering and having muscles and something just to take all the pressure off of one area. Well, we're not even done yet because the thing you have to remember is this isn't just one joint. This is the entire body. There's joints in the foot. There's joints connecting the knee to the shin. There's joints in the waist. There's joints in the chest. There's joints in the arms. And each one of them can be a single point of failure when they're trying to take on these actions. That's also why you'll notice that a lot of these giant robots, they have this kind of like, it's like this cool, slow momentum about them. Mm -hmm. But then you'll see like, like anyone who's watched any Gundam anime that isn't like O8th MS team would know like, oh, suddenly they start like flying around and sprinting faster than human beings. It's wild. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, that's cool and all, but that is... I can't imagine that being realistic but, anytime soon. But jetpacks, that then they just ram into people. If it was just jetpacks, I could accept that. But this is a giant robot that's running towards other giant robots. I feel like Pacific Rim actually did a good job of depicting and tackling that. Because mm-hmm. it is something you see in mecha animes where it's usually like... It's like the collateral damage and the realistic part gets a bit sidestepped because obviously you want to watch the giant robots fight. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just an obvious thing. You don't want to deal with that stuff. But I feel like Pacific Rim actually took a little bit of time to go, no, they're kind of slower moving. No, they're kind of like crumpling buildings and things. Exactly. And then the fun flip side of that is Evangelion because in that one, you have these large humanoid beings where now they're benefiting from human anatomy mixed with this reinforced steel metallic structure so that if we go back to our Godzilla episode, and please, anyone who hasn't listened, please go back (laughs) two episodes ago. We do scale of life. How does Godzilla stack up having a biological creature that big? Mm -hmm. And in that episode, I didn't really want to give Godzilla a pass being that big. But here I'm saying, if you took anatomy that big and you reinforced it with things that ideally are stronger than traditional concepts of bone, you would end up with a surprisingly impressive beast that I would justify as saying it could definitely walk and move like a giant humanoid. I think what you're describing is more, imagine a human with really good armor and like sleek armor, not like janky knight armor i'm thinking like think of a human with iron man armor yeah that's what i'm thinking iron man armor is like perfectly fitted to each piece so they all kind of slide together and move as a shell that does not impede the robot but also allows it to retain that structural integrity yeah so that on a giant scale that would be great that would work really well yeah and then the other thing which we haven't really touched on is the fact that your body isn't just one joint doing mechanical work it's a series of different interconnected overlapping muscle groups that are all shifting together to achieve an outcome Mm -hmm. so if i want to pick up a 30 pound weight i'm not just standing there and then allowing my joint to do all the work there are muscles across my chest muscles in my waist and core that are stabilizing my upper body. And then there are also muscles that go into my chest, but also into my arm that are helping stabilize my arm. And then muscles going through my arm, helping me lift the weight. Yeah. All those muscles are working in tandem to reinforce and they're not strengthening each other, but they're strengthening the overall movement. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there a, like a distribution of, uh, 
why do I mind forgetting to physics terms? Like a distribution of force or a... Yeah, there's a better distribution of weight across your body now. It's not mm -hmm. just the one spot doing all the work. And yeah, if any of those muscle groups or any tendons are too weak to handle the amount of load being applied in that specific location where they are, then yes, you would have this problem. This is how people sprain their ankles or throw out something. It's because they applied weight in a way that that one specific joint wasn't ready to handle. But when you have like a professional athlete who is trained and knows how all of his muscle groups are going to interact as he's sprinting or as he's hitting a baseball or whatever, the likelihood of that happening is much lower. So well, I think on a giant scale, that'd be equivalent to like a giant humanoid creature lifting a car or even a small building, which would probably be nothing to them, as opposed to trying to lift like, I don't know, giant skyscraper or monument or even like another giant mechan or like a planet. Like <laughs> that would be something they'd obviously like throw their back out. And here's the other cool thing is, as you mentioned before, there's this question of like, would you have to grow this giant creature? And the thing is, we've actually developed um, in the field of biomimicry, it's a field where we build technologies that mimic natural behavior. So we've built uh, yeah. little insect robots that mimic like how a fly would fly. Mm -hmm. There have been lots of strides in the creation of artificial muscles going back to the 1990s. All would be applicable here. And the nice part is they would be easier to scale up than trying to grow a giant human. I don't know. I just, I still feel like it's way easier to construct giant robots than to grow and maintain giant humanoid creatures. That's what I'm saying, is you wouldn't have to do that. We can manufacture that giant muscle using technology that's already being worked on today. I don't know. I'm thinking, yeah, you have the muscle, but then you're going to have to combine all the muscles in the right way, and you're going to have to have all the other systems. So you're saying it would be easier to grow it than to make it. Yeah, part of me thinks so in a way. I don't know. Now, the other problem with giant robots is energy. The problem with pretty much everything nowadays is energy. We can make really cool smartphones, but we haven't found a good way to make batteries smaller. We can build giant, like, really cool robots, but we haven't found a good way to put a battery on them so that they can actually move around and have the amount of energy it needs to be functional. And when you get giant, that problem is even greater because now you have these gigantic machines that need to do all... They need to make all this mechanical work mm -hmm. that needs to be powered by something and this is i think another chance where we can see evangelion versus pacific rim because there's some real nonsense physics going on in pacific rim <laughs> well there's nonsense stuff in evangelion also <laughs> and this is i realize that yes there's a lot of nonsense stuff we're about to go into but here's the breakdown of how power works in both of them in pacific rim and also in other like gundam series there's usually a power core Although in Pacific Rim, they say like, this has 50 diesel generator mechanical torque. I was like, I can't I tell if that's a measure of power or if that was actually what it had. Yeah, I was about to say, like, wasn't Pacific Rim diesel powered? They, like, they that always, that. I, when I heard that, I'm like, what? <laughs> they say it has like some crazy diesel power, but then they also say that it has like a nuclear reactor core. But they also say that it's not digital, it's analog. So there's a <laughs> lot of discrepancy. It's one of those things where they wanted to give you a giant robot movie and didn't want to you to think too much yeah. about it but that trope stays true which is there's usually like a nuclear reactor or something that's supposed to be dumping out all this power 
but it's kind of dangerous to have that much energy being produced and applied that quickly inside of what's supposed to be a small portable reactor. I realize those are far off future things, but that's how they solve power. Mm-hmm. In Evangelion, they don't bother with like, here's a super fancy nuclear reactor. They literally just have a giant, like literally wall outlet. It's like, yeah. imagine your vacuum. <laughs> imagine a plug that comes out of your vacuum and goes into the wall. That is how Ava's work. There's a giant plug that comes out of them and goes into the wall. And what I what I really liked about Evangelion is that they made a point that they're only powered for a certain amount of time. And it was like not a lot amount of time. I don't... 15 minutes, was it? Like 30? Like it was no, not it was a lot. No, it was five minutes. And this is, oh, the, yeah. this, <laughs> is the beauty of, this is the beauty of it is it's a giant person. Mm-hmm. It's a giant person that is so optimized to be a giant fighting muscle mass that it stores no fat. It has no energy in any way that it can carry with it. So it means that basically imagine if you had no fat and no air all of a sudden. You are just, yeah, how long would you be able to keep running around and doing stuff? I would say a minute if you're lucky. In this case, what happens in Evangelion is you have a giant, oh my God, that face. Yeah, you you just imagined that real hard. In Evangelion, what happens is you have giant humanoids that have basically as soon as that plug comes out, that is the complete amount of energy they have to carry out whatever task they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that is fundamentally the biological equivalent. It's saying that they're so big that they can store enough residual energy in maybe the muscle fibers or however they are able to use energy locally inside the muscle groups and whatever they're using to move. But if you think about how humans work and if we don't have any fat or any energy stores on us. Yeah, any way to store energy, like in any way to get, if we didn't have any way to store energy in any way to be constantly getting new energy. And that's the thing is it's strongly implied that they have no internal organs outside of like muscles, tendons, and whatever they have for bones so that every single time they take an action or do whatever, mm-hmm. it's entirely focused on the mechanical operation of punching or kicking or holding a giant knife. But there's, they have no internal way of providing their own energy. And, and it's loosely implied that's by design. But this is the interesting difference is there's no way that those two things could map. There's no way that you can have this giant generator coming from robots go into the Avas because you are met with a second problem of a giant organism, which we touch on in Godzilla. A giant organism gets really hot really fast. (laughs) Yes. If you actually had giant muscles, a thing you might not appreciate about your body is that there's actual, as you do mechanical work, the reason you sweat is because your body is producing heat, either because as glucose and other molecules are converted to ATP inside of your cells in order to fuel them or because of the actual mechanical motion of the actions you're taking. That's why in Evangelion you always see that they're sitting in these gigantic baths because those baths have to cool them while they're being kept in storage but so that the skin, the flesh, doesn't deteriorate. Because in that case, it's strongly implied that they are, in fact, like human muscle flesh. Actually, before you got into the discussion, I had a weird thought in my head of like, huh, and even Galleon, did they ever go over like necrosis at all? <laughs> or like making sure to like keep these things kind of alive so that <laughs> there it's, isn't it's, muscle failure? It's strongly implied that there's like amount of rot that could happen if they're not properly maintained. Mm. And there's the one episode where the um, the entire facility loses power. Oh, yeah. And that becomes a big problem. And so that's really what 
what we wanted to focus on here was the interesting way that Evangelion actually takes the time to, even though it's not a show that wants you to think too much about their giant robots, they do a very good job of explaining like, there is an anatomy to these robots. There's a functional principle to why they work this way. And it's actually based in human biology, not in sci-fi mechanics. Yeah. And it explains. So if um, watching Evangelion fights, they're really cool. <laughs> like <laughs> they are, there's some great stuff. Again, if you haven't watched it, just like watch a clip, but you have these giant creatures just sprinting at each other and doing and wailing on each other and yeah and it's and they have very humanoid movements and of course it makes sense because they're humanoid but then it's like oh that totally makes sense why this is looking so cool they explain that away and actually it kind of reminds me of attack on titan like how mm -hmm. the titans how the titans move because that's the same way because if anyone hasn't seen that anime those are like those are actual, there's no underlying, like, surprise. Those are actually, like, giant humanoid creatures. <laughs> and so they have fun movements because of that. And when you, in this, going back to the design argument, this is kind of, like, the big thing is, like, when you start looking at all the different ways that building a giant robot doesn't make sense, it actually makes more sense to just build a giant tank with a cannon on it. Because at that point... Like, you oh, don't right. need all the energy <laughs> to make it run and jump and do stuff if you just have tank treads so big that it will roll over whatever obstacle is going to stop it. But wait, I have the real question. What about a giant AT-AT? Oh, see, the problem with giant AT-ATs is, <laughs> and I'm going to just, hey, if you want you want to at me, man, at Cboozar, at Small Stuff Show, come at me. AT-ATs are dumb. AT-ATs <laughs> are objectively bad robots. And they should not have ever existed in the Star Wars. I can't believe the Empire ever expected to accomplish anything with AT-ATs. I, I love all of the Empires. <laughs> Just We're going to do stuff their, really cool, really slow, and really far away. They're all, they're all great. All of their designs are beautiful. and I love them. And just the capstone to this entire conversation of giant robots versus giant organisms is... And this is definitely the most sci-fi getting out there of them. It's kind of the, the piloting interface. Because what's mm -hmm. interesting is in Evangelion, there's the command plug. There's the thing that they sit in to pilot the Ava. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, implied, yeah. it's implied that like the controls on them don't actually really do much. It's really the human behavior, the neural mapping of the brain to the organism. Oh, yeah. It is... It is kids connecting to these creatures and basically basically becoming one with them. And then all of their thought process is what moving this stuff. Yeah, if you pay attention in Evangelion, the part of the robot that the humans actually sit in is basically the cerebellum, where your cerebellum is inside of the human body. It's at the base of your brain. Mm -hmm. And it's basically responsible for communicating higher brain functions and movement down to the rest of your anatomy with the exception of obviously seeing and hearing. Those things kind of happen up here in the head. Yeah, like the central station, I guess, <laughs> is the good analogy. And so the entire point is that the AVAs, they're taking in, like the pilots are taking all the sensor input, but when they go to make movements, that is their, like, the neural mapping of how their brain would normally transmit that kind of information to their own anatomy being translated to a giant robot's anatomy, mm -hmm. which allows, like, arguably for a really nice one-to-one -one mapping. Whereas giant robots, you always see them, they have like joysticks and pedals and it looks like you have to play a rock concert worth of drum kit <laughs> in order to do anything. Or like Pacific Rim where they're, it's like a weird connected interface, mm -hmm. but also having to do like 
I don't I don't even know what controls they those were. <laughs> I legit think that might be the most realistic version of a giant robot oh, really? mapping to Yeah, because basically what they did was they put them in mocap suits and were like <laughs> mocap means motion capture for anyone who doesn't know and it's basically how they make Spider-Man look all CGI. Um you're like just imagine this. Imagine Tom Holland walking around, but they have like a real-time capture system so that Tom Holland is walking around but instead of rendering Spider-Man over him the giant robot is moving in as close to the same way as possible. Uh, okay. So what's interesting there is they are mechanically built into the frame so that as they make movements, the movements can be translated to what the robot's supposed to do. But at the same time, you'll notice that they're actually slowly moving. They're not running like a normal person would run. Yeah. They're running slowly because they're also being slowed down to what the actual speed of the robot's supposed to be. Yeah, because I could... <laughs> I'm I'm imagining a funny scenario where like you just have the people in Pacific Rim like doing like really fast movements and then the <laughs> robot's like, oh no, I can't keep up and exactly. then just tripping on itself. And while this is a little more of the out there stuff, I thought that was just an interesting thing to point out is there is so many reasons why Evangelion, even though they didn't want to spend a lot of time dwelling on these giant monsters, they did such a good job building them into their world from an engineering standpoint. And justifying why it would like if you take a moment to appreciate human anatomy, it makes sense why Ava's work. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it really does. I gotta give it to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that'll do it. Sam, would you like to uh, take us out? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at lil.baby.banshee. That is L I L dot baby dot banshee. And you can follow my food blog at thesampler.blog. And as always, we're at Small Stuff Show on all social media. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us smallstuffshow at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, please take the time to find someone you think would like to learn about why Evangelion is even cooler than you thought it was. <laughs> Sit them down. Let them listen to this episode. They will thank you for the incredible... No Do you hear that? That's all the applause you're getting right now for being the smartest, coolest person in that person's life. Yeah. They're just yeah, following you around clapping. Yeah, they, they're not mad at all that you forced them into a chair and put headphones on them. No, no, they are, they are thanking you. There are tears rolling down their eyes for this magical gift you've given them. And if that doesn't work, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> Till then, I've been your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari. And I've been your neural nutritionist, Sam. Reminding you, from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth... Sweating the small stuff. That's the Pacific Rim one, right? Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> Wait, sing the Evangelion one. <laughs> okay, we're going out on that. <laughs>